Hey everybody, welcome to Making It. This is episode 86. I'm Bob Claggett, here with David Pachuda. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, come on. Oh, come on, you can do better. <laughs> you, want, you, want, you want the full... I want the full effect. Tell like right. there's something wrong. Is David... Wrong? Okay, let's try it again. With <laughs> David Pachuto. How are you doing? Nice. That's great. Nailed it. And Jimmy DeResta. Hi. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, you make me I did that. I I, I, I I sucked some negative space, Dave, to give you a little bit more stage. Ah, yeah. So I don't want to take anything away from that. Yeah. Well, you'll make up for it by talking the entire episode anyway. <laughs> what are you been reading the comments? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Cool. I'll, well, I'll, I'll keep my mouth shut. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, Don't do that. Said I'm not talking ever again. Great, <laughs> that's it. I we still it. Have to pay, do we still have to pay him? If he doesn't talk. <laughs> of course. Well, David, contract. what do you what have you been up to? What's going on? Uh, well, earlier today I put out a micro photography hack video. Uh, it involves Ooh. taking macro photos without a macro lens, the, and basically the the trick is to take a lens, take it off of your camera, reverse it, and then hold it up to your sensor. And um, there's some little tips in there. It's a, it's a fun thing if you're into photography at all. You can take close-up photos of bugs' eyes and and flowers and and hmm. whatever else. And then uh, today we're working on a Murphy bed, which is a kind of bed that folds up into the wall. I was oh. really really trying to do the whole thing in one day. Is that a video? You're gonna do that as a video? Yeah, that's a video. It's supposed to come out on Thursday. Um, didn't get as far as we wanted, but we got. Got a pretty good distance, and so hopefully this the video is still going to come out on Thursday. It's it's going to be pretty cool. All out of uh, red oak plywood. Yeah. Oh, sweet! And, and uh, when you say red oak, are you are you covering the edge of the plywood with like red hard oak? Like, are you covering all the ends up and everything? Like all the open grain yeah, and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I'm use I'm using um uh the the iron on edge banding. Oh, cool! Nice. So, yeah. Um, about your your camera trick, have you ever done any of the the tilt shift stuff when you have like two parts of a lens? I have I have not. No, you know what I'm talking about though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I um I recently broke my 50 millimeter lens mm-hmm. and like I dropped it and it split in half. <laughs> but the glass oh. is actually still okay, but just the lens itself is two pieces. Um, and somebody recommended that like I play with mounting the first part on the actual camera and then like manually turn the mm-hmm. outer lens to get that tilt shift effect. I never got around to messing with it, but it's an interesting oh, idea. Yeah, that'd be cool. There's a company called Lens Baby that makes oh, um, I that. lenses uh, mm-hmm. where you can kind of, it's two pieces of glass and it's kind of like on a, like a slinky type thing where you can, accordion, yeah, thank you. Yep. And mm-hmm. where you can do the the little tricks. And if you're not familiar with like, um, Tilt shift, it really, it you, you'll see it like it's a, it works really good. But like when you're on top of a building, looking down, and it makes all the cars and the people look miniature because it kind of blurs out the edges. It's really hard to describe, but just Google tilt shift photography, and you'll be yeah. amazed. I've seen some um, that were done in big places, like really big places, like Disney World, where you have just you know a massive amount of people, mm-hmm. and it's so crazy. It just looks like the biggest model set. Ever, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. really, really cool. what it basically does is it gives you selective focus on stuff, so it makes you mm-hmm. feel like you're really tuned into a little tiny spot mm-hmm. in a big landscape. Yeah, yep. I remember the first time I saw that tilt shift in a magazine article. It was in the New York Times magazine article about 20 years ago, and I was it was somebody who had done it as a gallery show. They took landscapes and tilt shifted them so it looked just like they were scale models, and I was totally blown away so every time the concept comes up i remember how amazed i was when i very first saw that that uh, <laughs> somebody was able to take a big landscape and just make it appear miniature with selective focus within that little landscape mm. yeah and then that's also the filter that's on instagram so who needs to yeah, go to yes. photography school you just have instagram filters <laughs> <clears throat> and that's well, jimmy what have you been up to uh well i just posted for my patreons i posted uh uh, that's a little plug there. I posted a rough cut of the beginning of the Canon build, which is just the the Canon itself right up to when I got the, the Trunnions on. Actually, while I got you guys on camera, this is the Canon in front of me. It weighs about 40 pounds. It's solid Ooh. brass. Wow. And it's wrapped with stretch wrap. That's why it's making a crazy sound. 
Um, so I got it out of the shop upstate. It's downstate here in the city, and I'm going to start working on the the cart that would carry the cannon. I'm going to use like a like an ebony hardwood for the rest of it for the wooden part. But the the video that's on my Patreon is just the build of the cannon. Ultimately, the video that goes public is going to be the full build, beginning to end, because I don't really like making two part videos. But um, so right. I got that cut up. And I'm working on. Do you guys? You guys have you guys ever heard of Paul Evans Furniture? Did I mention this yet? Paul Evans so. is is a furniture designer from the 50s and 60s. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he does these really crazy sculptural pieces of furniture. They're they're like more art than furniture. And he, uh, my friend, has always loved his work, and his family actually owns a few of his pieces. And he wanted a piece for his New York City apartment. So I copied a Paul Evans piece, which is going to be my Core 77 video this week. And I'm, I'm in the home stretch. And it's very sculptural and very artsy in the way that it's very uh, abstract art. So there's four doors on this. And the four doors, each one of them is an abstract painting. And it's, it's a sculpture. And I think the real one that I'm copying is made out of steel. But I'm obviously making it out of wood. But each door is like fully sculptural, so I'm in the process of trying to mimic that, and it's a little bit difficult because it's it's actually interesting in the way that I'm like putting myself in his head, trying to like think what he was thinking while he was making this. I mean, it's hmm. a little it's a little heady and it's like, it's like a little cerebral, but I'm really trying to like think what he was thinking. Obviously, I have no idea what he was thinking, but I'm trying to put myself in that frame of mind to make abstract art on the front of each one of these four doors. And it's, it looks a little bit like a Louise Nevelson painting. You guys remember Louise Nevelson? She was like a sculptor that made like these compartmentalized assemblages. And hmm. uh, he, he, he's, a lot of his doors are like that. They're like crazy frames and they have like pieces of objects in them and stuff. Um, so I'm working on that and, and, and uh, I'm in the home stretch. I'm almost uh, finished with that, but... I just want to try and make it look a little bit more legit and the whole front is completely all muddied up with acrylic paints. So I had to just step away from it because I was trying to make fine lines between the colors and it's the kind of painting where you never even clean the brush off. You just like squirt on like a glob of green and move that around. Then you squirt on a glob of red and move that around and you're not cleaning your brush off in between. And so it's actually kind of freeing in a way, but I realized I wasn't really, wasn't hitting my target. So I had to step back yesterday and, um, so I got I got those two going, and that tonight I'm actually gonna I have a, a an interesting video coming up for me. But but David, you have something to say? Yeah. Um, so since you normally don't talk in your videos, how are have you figured out how you're going to tell the audience that this is a replica? Or well, this is a, for a Core 77, so it's going to have like a proper voiceover. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, and, gotcha. I, and I'm going to show pictures of the original that I'm copying, a particular piece. So, I think all of his pieces, or at least most of his early pieces, were, they, I can't imagine that they were anything other than one-offs because they're so involved and mm -hmm. they're, they're so sculptural. So I think this one I'm copying is just another one-off. And I'll show you guys pictures of it. We could even post pictures in the posting because you know by the time this comes out, the, the video will have yeah. been posted. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, just a lot of work and you know, it's keeping me busy. Yeah, I love the uh, – there's a great tip in there where you mentioned like you just need to step back and give it time and then yeah. come back to it. And a lot of times that's just what you need to do when you're working on something and you're frustrated or it's not – the the outcome is not as expected. Yeah. Well, you know what it is too? Like I, yesterday I was in the process of trying to get the doors done because to me that's the most uh, complicated part. And I said, let me step away from the doors and then let me go do something that's easy. And I had to paint the whole cabinet itself. So I went and just worked on the cabinet, which was kind of more broader, solid colors. And then I went back and worked on the, uh, the piece for a little while. I'm going to show you guys pictures of it up close. You see that? Oh, man. Wow. Oh, yeah, wow, that's going to be awesome. That's a good reaction. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's all sculptural. That's all yeah. three-dimensional. So all those white lines you see are all raised wood. Wow. Hmm. So let me show you, and then this is the original of a of a huge color. So I'm trying to get that. See how yellow mm. that is? That's probably the mm -hmm. yellow from the photochrome uh, from the Kodachrome slide that it's probably taken on from 1959. So hmm. you see how textural that is, and mine isn't quite as textural, at least not yet. And then I'm, the colors are all slightly off. My colors are a little bit more vibrant. So, but the shapes themselves, the basic shapes, are the same. But there's another angle of that same piece. So all these pictures will be in the posting. Wow. 
So, yeah, nice. it was a challenge. So it, it was a good exercise for me to get inside the head of another artist and, you know, not make something that looks like, you know, belongs in a castle with steel and dark wood, like everything else I make. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an interesting thing, like, um, you know, to to force yourself into a place that, you know, you don't like in, in somebody else's style. Um, I kind of had a similar experience. Well, it's not really similar, but it reminded me of it. So I'm working on something this morning for a few weeks from now. And I spent the entire morning like looking for reference image and trying to come up with an idea around a certain little thing. And I was just spinning, you know, and just like I was basically looking through all of my own reference material, you know, the stuff that I would already think of. And I was just kind of going in the circle. I'm like, no, none of this is it. And so my uh, editor was here today and we went to lunch and I was telling him about like, you know, this is what I'm having trouble with. And I'm thinking of this and this and this. And he came out with a single idea that was painfully obvious once he said it. Then I was just like, oh, okay. well, now I know exactly what I need to do. And we came back from lunch and I like almost completely finished the project in between lunch and now, which is about three hours. Wow. So it's just really interesting. Um, You know, like we all for the most part work by ourselves. And I've noticed for me, that means often that I'll just kind of swirl around my own thoughts, you know, and like I don't take in enough outside influence. But as soon as I do, I ask somebody for help or an idea or something end up being, you know, really beneficial. And sounds like that's kind of what you're doing there too, where you're, you're reaching into somebody else's style and just like trying to figure it out how they did it. It's, it's very, it's, it's very freeing because the whole time I'm working, I'm thinking to myself, I need to be more loose. I need to be more loose. I mean, and everybody would think that I'm too loose, but in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, for me to do more abstract stuff. And uh, mm. it's a good setup because I'm going to work on my make video tonight, which is going to be, I found this 1920s record horn, record player horn. I'm going to use it to make a, I'm going to do a, a an iPhone speaker with it. So I'm going to work on that oh, tonight. Nice. It's going to be fun. Awesome. I, I was looking, I, I just had it here in the sh- but I brought it to the shop. I was going to show you guys. It's one that's bent, so it looks like a big question mark. So it's pretty cool looking. Awesome. It's it's, it's a big cast aluminum one too. It's pretty wild. So you know, something uh, I'd like to point out. Like I remember going to like an art museum when I was a kid, and you see abstract art, and you just think, "Oh, that's just a bunch of random shapes. That's really easy. Anybody could do that." But then when you actually go to try and do that. It's a lot harder than you think because we're so used to like these are the shapes that we work with. This is the this is the formula that always works. And then you try to do these these things that's you know supposed to be abstract and and, and different. It's a little bit hard to think. You know, forget the the expression, but outside the box when we're mm-hmm. making boxes. I remember specifically like um, cubism being one of, in art history. There was a lot of art history that I just kind of like okay, I have to wade through this. Cubism was one of those things that really struck me as out of the box where uh, those artists decided ahead of time, I'm going to draw this person's face or I'm going to paint this person's face, but I'm going to paint both sides of the face on a single plane. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you just glance at one of those paintings, you think that's really weird. That looks like a five-year-old did it. But (laughs) the, the, the point of it was that they, they decided to look at an object and present it in a different way that you couldn't physically see it. You know, they were trying to, to flatten out all the faces. And once you start thinking about that and like the thought that went into it and how they had to actually try to get their idea across visually, it actually gets a lot more complicated. So that's one that always stuck out to me. You know, it's funny because I was digging into this painting of this, of this, the front of these doors, which hopefully everybody will see by now is, and it was kind of reminding me of Basquiat and all this furniture mm. came years before. But the randomness, and it's not really random, but it seems random when you first look at it. As I was painting each one of the doors, I realized every door has like a fat bar in it. Every door's got a little bit of gold. Every door's got the same amount of white in it. So when he was making decisions, it really did have uh, a, an order to the chaos. And uh, when you look more at his pieces, though, they're very abstract in the way that, like, if you guys know what Basquiat paintings look like, there's, like, scratches, scribbles, and, like, all this stuff. And that's what this guy's furniture looks like, the, the, some of his pieces. He went through several phases. But early on, his stuff looked like that, very kind of like – and it also looks nineteen, very 1950s and 60s, you know, if you take a close look at some of the art from that era. It's, it looks very timely. Well, for me, um, I'm actually getting ahead – on my content, which is crazy. 
I have <laughs> this week's video um, done. I have next week's video edited, and I'm going to be able to finish it tomorrow to get it ready, and I'm already working on the next week's video. So it feels really cool to have, uh, you know, a little space. And so I'm just trying to work really hard to get ahead on all these things. Um, but for this week, so last week when I was in Seattle, um, Bill Duran from Punish Props and some other people that were around, uh, he was really adamant on wanting to make a life cast of my head. So they did that. Um, and they shot it all, which was really cool. I set up a time lapse, but then his wife, Brittany, uh, moved the camera around, got the entire thing, got the whole process, and then they just gave me the footage. And they were like, here, make a video about it. Oh, <laughs> So cool. nice of them. So cool. Because, um, I mean, you know, they have a channel. They could make a video about it. They could use that footage, but they just gave it to me because they're awesome. So um, that video is going up this week. It'll be out by the time this shows out. And I think it's I think it's pretty cool. It was something that, like, I didn't really have a hand in. I was just sitting still for an hour. But uh, but now you got to cool take process. the head and like make a pencil sharpener in the nostrils or something. You got to do something fun. With it. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> or give like yeah, make not... the thing like a make. Go ahead. You're breaking up a little. bit. I was gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna make the first cast the hydrocal cast, which is like a really hard plaster. Uh, I'm gonna do that to make sure that I get one good solid cast out of it, mm-hmm. and then I'll try to do some fun stuff. You know. Is the mold made out of silicone? Is that was it like a good silicone yeah. mold? Yeah, cool. It's not mm-hmm. so it wasn't alginate, which you have to cast right away. Right, no, it's it's silicone, but it still is a kind because it's a uh, skin safe one. Um, it's one that won't last for too long, so you can get a few good right. castings out of it, and then it'll right. kind of break down. Did you? Did I ever tell you guys? Um, I I actually made a I, I did a, a life cast of somebody that was deceased. Did I ever tell you that? feel like you did but i don't quite yeah. remember the details yeah it was just it was a family friend and and uh he, he died unexpectedly i'll leave some of the details out but the family asked me if i would do that and me and another friend of the family who's handy uh who i met that day together he and i went and did this this cast uh, this facial cast of the deceased and uh actually wow. we we both knew him very well so it wasn't as weird and creepy as it sounded um, you know, knowing him and, uh, you know, we just went in there with just like a, like a loving approach and just said, let's do this. We were both a little nervous about it. And, uh, but I went to my guys at the complete sculptor and they said, it's not as uncommon as you would think. And hmm. so he gave me some pointers, Mark at the complete sculptor here in New York. He's, he's like the world, uh, authority on everything mold making. And so Mark gave me some tips and set me up with the right material. That's why I knew it was silicone maybe that you used because what we did is we made, just the mold itself. And once we made the mold, we gave the mold to the family and then they took it from there. And the, the, she said, I just, uh, the mother said, I just want to remember him as he was because he, he mm. died unexpectedly. And uh, so, yeah. So like I said, it was, it was, it was something I'm glad I did it. But when I was first asked, I was extremely nervous, but I didn't want to say no. And yeah. so I just like shut up and said, of course, whatever you need. And then I said, how do I do this? And I went and spoke with Mark. <laughs> But yeah, it was an experience. It was an experience, and uh, you, know, you learn wow. you learn through experience. And it's really interesting to have a, a set of skills that can be applied to all sorts of different things that you don't expect. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because you you know when we were at the funeral and like I guess they, 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 it was like a very fast turnaround as far as the the, the service and then the funeral and everything, and they were going to cremate him. And so it was literally the day after the funeral and I got a call from the family and they said, um, would you do this for us? I, you know, I, I left everybody and said, if you guys need help with anything. And then the next day I got that, I was like, well, in my mind, I was like, when you said yes, if I need help, I didn't expect this. But I, of course, I didn't say anything. But yes, of course, let's figure this out. And, and I went to it. But yeah, it was really a call out of left field. And they said, we, you know, we would only yeah. trust you because we know you could figure everything out. And then even the funeral directors were both very like, you sure you want to do this? Is this what they, I'm like, this is what they want. And it's not illegal. Apparently hmm. it's, it's something that has happened, you know, that people do more often. They said, well, no one's ever asked at this place. I was like, well, just, you got to leave us alone for about two hours. And, and then we, we you know, we were successful in our attempt. And that was it. Hmm. Did you ever see the, the actual cast? Uh, no, but it was a silicone mold. And so with the silicone, 
I brought the silicone to the family and gave them that. And then from there, they were going to maybe do like a bronze of it. And I never did see if they did one or not. Hmm. So Crazy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we have Sorry no to... transition. We have no transition <laughs> from that. But well, uh, just the point is, is just, you know, be, be careful what your skills are. People might ask you to do strange stuff. <laughs> Good point. Well, what we are going to do today um, is ask each other questions. We did this one time before, and I thought it was really fun. And also, it's hard to come up with ideas for shows every week. So <laughs> this is what we're going to do. So we each came up with a couple of questions for each other. Um, you guys want to go one at a time? We didn't really talk about this. How do we, how do we want to do this? It's just, uh, it's just go one at a time. We'll go around and then we'll make a second round and a third round with should be six questions total, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you get to go, go first. first. Oh, I, I get to go first. All right. I'll go first. And Bob, this is for you. So, okay. um, Bob, when you presented this idea to us, you said, let's do two questions. One for each one of us as a person, and then what we do as far as work. And so, Bob, as a person, what are you afraid of, and what are you doing to overcome it? Mm. I'm going deep here. I'm going real deep. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm afraid of being so concerned about my the way that my kids turn out that I overreact to things now. I found that I, especially my oldest, because he's the oldest and I feel like he's had more experience and he's he knows what I expect of him more. And so I found that a lot of times I, um, I overreact to his behavior because I want him to be like, I want him to be kind and I want him to be patient and I want him to be you know, somebody who does good and thinks of other people and is compassionate and stuff like that. But I think a lot of times I go for that instead of being that to him. Like I try to like, you need to be compassionate. <laughs> I'm yelling, like, be kind. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. I should just be kind to him to show him how to be kind, you know? So, mm -hmm. but I'm afraid of, of pushing so hard on the things that I want for him that I'm not modeling those things for him. So, Right now, and, and this goes for all of them, but specifically him because he's the oldest. So recently I made a list and I've actually got it right here in front of me. And it says show grace, show restraint, show patience, show gentleness. And those are things that I'm like actively trying to show him in my responses. So really, really awesome. I couldn't ask for a better answer. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Very cool. All right. Well, do you want to do my other one now? <laughs> or are we going around? <laughs> yeah, let's. Oh, all right, I'll do your other one now. Um, yeah. So, uh, keeping the conversation deep. So, this has to do with your work. Uh, explain the greater purpose of I like to make stuff. Ooh. Okay. Um, I think the biggest purpose of the whole thing is <clears throat> to get people to realize that they're capable of more than what they think they're capable of. And a lot of times we, well, everyone is. Um, brought up with a certain expectation of, of what they should do, what they can do. And I think a lot of times they just, the stuff that they're capable of doesn't actually get factored into those expectations. And so people just assume nobody ever said I could make things. Nobody ever said I could experiment. Nobody ever said I could learn whatever. So I can't. And so I think my large purpose is to um, model um, exploring things for people, showing them that they don't have to do things right the first time, showing them that learning is is kind of like the way to get to new places. You know, if you want to know a new skill, you have to learn all the steps to get to that skill. Um, if you want to have a certain job, you have to learn stuff to get to that job, you know. And so I think it's really just about um, kind of showing people and, and the way I do that uh, through a video is I'll show the entire process. And I've talked about this before, like I'll show every step of something so that when somebody watches the whole thing start to finish, not they, that they can necessarily do all of those things, but there's no black box anymore. There's no, I don't know how he got from a piece of wood to a chair. You know, it's like, Oh, I saw him take a piece of wood and turn it into a chair. Um, 
so that there's then they see the the path of things that they can learn to be able to replicate that same thing if they want to. And so that's the way I act it out. But the goal is definitely just to get people, you know, uh, looser about what they think they're capable of. Cool. Awesome. So yeah, there's that. So I will take my question to Jimmy. How about that? Uh-oh. Or do you want to do your Jimmy? Yeah, you do your Jimmy questions. That way we'll get all of yours out. Okay. <clears throat> all right. So Jimmy, uh, yes. this is the, this is the the question that about you as a person. What about Taylor's work inspires you or excites you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I was just uh, I was just talking with Willie about Taylor a couple hours ago. And how capable she is, uh, you know, I'm going to get a little bit mushy here, but Taylor is the Aww. most capable partner I've ever had. And every single thing she sets her mind to, she does. And it's like, I'm totally not surprised, nor should I even be worried at this point, because every single thing she sets her mind to do, she almost always does. Or at least she gets to the point where she realizes how complicated it really is. Like, for instance, she's like, I'm going to build a new set of stairs out of stone. I said, you have no idea what you're doing. She's like, I'll figure it out. I'll go to YouTube. Just leave me alone. I was like, okay. (laughs) She dug like a six inch. Now, if you guys ever used a shovel and you dug a hole, you know how much work it is. I don't even want to do it. She dug out literally with a shovel and a pickaxe. She dug out 10 feet wide by like eight feet deep, six inches of dirt to fill that with gravel. This was on Snapchat a couple months ago. And then on top of that, she started stacking stone and she realized stacking stone is extremely time consuming because you got to find every piece that fits inside of another piece and you just got to keep, you know, and you got to have more rocks to choose from and getting more rocks means spending time out in the woods with a truck and filling it up because my property is full of bluestone because it used to be the, the, the walls for the, for the border. And so we use all that bluestone for stuff. And she got to the point where she realized it was just too much. So we're going to have a guy come this week to look at it. But she redid our bathroom recently with cement on the walls. She figured it all out. And uh, the, the funniest thing is whenever we're out and about and we're talking and we meet new people and I say, oh, oh I, what do you guys do? Oh, I build, we both build furniture. Oh, what do you make? I say, I make all kinds of stuff. I make everything. I fabricate. And it's usually, I usually fabricate what people need. Taylor makes what she wants and sells it. So we have like a different point of view. And I and she started off that way, and I always wanted to be that. I always wanted to be the guy that just has a line of furniture that people pick from. And now I'm the guy that makes whatever anybody wants. So it's like, can I have this with a little bit of this? And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever you want. And then all of a sudden I regret saying yes to everything. But Taylor <laughs> makes specifically – and the funny thing is that the conversation always leads to, oh, wait, so you weld everything and she does all the soft girly stuff. I'm like, no. I make what I make and she makes everything that she makes. Wait, so you you don't weld her framework? Because at this point of the conversation, people are looking at pictures online. I go, no, no, no. She does it. So you weld. You Do <laughs> you, Do you grind too? And, and, and she's like, yeah. And she's just so very demurely says, yeah, I do it. I do it. Like she doesn't qualify it because she's like totally annoyed by the line of questioning. <laughs> but so if the original question was how does Taylor inspire me, it's the fact that she just sets her mind to it and does it. Whereas me, I would, and I still do it at 50, nearly 50 years old. I say to myself, oh, that's going to be a lot of, that's going to be a lot of sweat equity in that. Is there an easier way to go around it? But she'll be like, that's where I want to go. If it means climbing over that mountain and swimming through that river, that's where I have to go. Me, I'm like, hmm, how can I take the easy way out? Because that's too much to carry. Oh, that's too much time to weld and grind that. How can I do it easier? You're, you're like, how can I turn that mountain into a boat so I don't have to cross the river? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I get, I'm inspired by her tenacity and, you know, her, obviously she's younger than me. So she has a lot of energy that I've kind of lost at this point in my life. But the idea that if this is what it takes to get this done, this is what has to happen. And, you know, and me, I'm always like, well, if that's what it takes, is there an easier way to do that? Can we just make it out of plastic instead of make it out of steel? You know, so that's just me being lazy and wanting to encapsulate everything in like a half a day's worth of work so I can move on to making another video. But yeah, so she inspires me to just, you know, to do things the right way, the hard way, if that happens to be the right way. And uh, just the idea of like every week she has new projects. Like yesterday, we, so... I'll tell you, I'll share a little story with you. My, my friend, Uncle Mullet, is going to have a little bit of a video on this because he was our saving grace. And then also my new friend, R- Robert Salazar, 
hope I'm saying his name correctly. Um, he came to visit me in my shop. And then like two days later, Taylor bought a stove off of eBay. And she goes, Where's, oh, it's in San Antonio. And I and Robert had sent me a note to say, hey, thank you for meeting me. And I said, hey, are you near San Antonio? He goes, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the specific town. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm right near that town. I was like, oh, awesome. We bought a stove. Would you mind going over there and packing it for us? <laughs> I said, I'll pay you, whatever. And so I hooked him up with my buddy Scott, a.k.a. Uncle Mullet. So together they went to this house, packed the stove we went on eBay. It's called an Aga stove, which comes it, – it, you can only move it in pieces it took up three pallets. So it's all cast iron parts. And it gets put together and it gets filled with like um, this material that stays hot. So the oven stays on all the time. So some of the people in the audience will know what an Aga stove is. See, tell us like we need an Aga stove because it's the best way to cook. It's the most efficient. It heats the house. Like I would have just went and got like a propane stove and said, there, that's done. <laughs> Comes out of one box in one piece. She she always says, don't worry about it. I'll handle it because she knows I'll say no. She's like, I'll handle everything. She set up – I mean, of course, I found the two the two laborers. I got Robert and Scott to go there and pack it because they're both in the, in the Texas area. But she organized the shipper. She spoke to the homeowner who was getting a little frustrated. She calmed the homeowner down because it was a couple of attempts to ship it. It came to New York. Finally came the other day. Me and Willie unpacked it off the truck. We got it up to the porch, cleaned all the parts, and she's dealing with the wall. She's like, oh, I got to rip the sheetrock off the wall to get at the hose. I'm like – and I'm in the city now. She's upstate. And she sent me a picture of the wall completely cleaned off with not one nail in it, not once. She's like, I did it. Don't worry about it. I handled it because she knows how ang- – <laughs> like I get like this anxiety. I'm like, oh, you're going to rip the wall open? She's like, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> we have to. We have to put the vent pipe in the wall. I'm like, what? And I just said, you know what? She handles everything for the last six years. She can handle it. So stop getting anxious. Just let her do it. Hmm. And so we're in the middle of that Aga stove installed. Tomorrow the guy comes, the Aga stove specialist in the Catskill Mountains. He's going to come and put the whole stove together. And the way an Aga stove works is it's always on. And it has various chambers. And it's filled with vermiculite. So it's like this big chamber with cast iron parts. And it's filled with vermiculite. So it always has like an ambient temperature of, say, whatever, 100 and change, maybe 200 degrees. And you could direct that heat to certain parts of the stove that you need to either cook a chicken or to fry an egg or to bake something. And mm. so and it always stays on. I don't know how that's going to work in the summer, but in the winter, I know it's going to be welcomed. So we'll see awesome. how it goes. But that, the, the bottom line is Taylor handles any complicated thing because she likes to figure it out. Can I get? Can I can I tell you one more story that she did? <laughs> please, please do. So about a year ago, going into October is a year ago. We we got an ADT to set up the whole house with with uh, an alarm system. This is also a precautionary tale if anybody wants to use ADT. So ADT tells like I'll handle everything. So ADT came, and we basically wanted remote cameras. We were going to replace our remote camera system with a new remote camera system. So the salesperson, the website says. Look at your cameras on your iPad. You know, it was this big sales pitch. <clears throat> I'm going to fast forward to the basically 24 hours after the installation installer came. Didn't like what they did. They said, oh, we don't do cameras. And we know who told you that. And so Taylor said, get everything out of here right now. Give me your $2,000 back for the installation. We, we want to immediately end this relationship with ADT. And so there was a certain way we had to do it. We had to fill out a piece of paper and send it in within the right amount of time for a full refund. And we did that. But ADT service kept on charging us from October until June. And we didn't know that. They were pulling $70 a month off of Taylor's credit card. And we didn't know that until she got rid of that credit card. And then we got a paper bill in the mail. It says you owe us $75 for this month's service. And we said, service for what? And they wouldn't give us a confirmation. They haven't sent any money back. I spent hours on the phone with them. This is ADT phone service. Anyway, so today she opened an investigation through Chase Bank. They're going to do a, a, a fraud investigation on ADT. She handled all this, figured this all out, sent all the proper documentation. And I would have just said, I would have just written off the eight months times $70 and said, it's out of my life. Forget it. Probably me too. <laughs> but she is like, no one's taking advantage of her. Hmm. So there she inspires me to do the hard work, basically. That's the long story. So don't get an alarm system with ADT. <laughs> After all that, it's, don't get alarm system with ADT. Well, such awesome answers so far. Um, Thank you. I'm going to lighten it up just a little bit. 
And so, Jimmy, this is your second question mm-hmm. that pertains to your, your, your work. Do you secretly enjoy the negative comments and trolls? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's funny because I mean, lately I haven't been getting any. So I'm like, it's like I got nothing to fight for. It's almost like when Howard Stern was on all this like, you know, FCC crusade years ago. And now he's on Sirius, so he doesn't have anything to fight for. I mean, that's a very <laughs> slight comparison. But no, I mean, it's nice. Uh, it, it's it's nice that people love and support me. I mean, it's so it, it's so heartwarming. And, and it really is true. And I get some beautiful letters. And, you know, it's really nice. And uh, but there's not too many there's not too many trolls lately. And, and I guess that's a good thing because I'm winning people over. So I guess the other thing, too, is that when anybody says anything negative, they get completely they get completely retaliated against, not only by me, but by my fans. And so if anybody has anything negative to say, they kind of get drummed out of town. And I think they know that. So they see the overwhelming love and support in the comments and they know that if they say anything remotely negative, they're going to get they're going to get trounced. A lot of the negative stuff, or, or if there is any negative stuff, usually is in the make videos because they seem a little bit more anonymous. My own personal videos don't get those. You know, the make videos are kind of more out in like the middle of the ocean where it doesn't seem like there's any ownership, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. They seem a little bit more like, you know, user anonymous. So people could say like, oh, this guy's doing a horrible job. Why is he out here? And then I'm like, I'm right here. I'm listening. What do you want to say? Oh, sorry. I'm a big fan. I didn't mean that. <laughs> you know, a lot of that happens. But if anybody says, I, I know um, I was just listening to the Maker Hustle the other day, and that's a Bill Lavosi and his posse that do that, that new podcast. And mm-hmm. um, they're talking about constructive criticism and stuff. And I really like, uh, I really, I really learn a lot. And I like when people give me constructive criticism in my videos. And case in point is the printing videos I've done recently. And people have given me so much positive feedback through those printing videos like, oh, did you know you could do this? And did you know you could do that? And I really love that because if there's something I'm in the dark, like for instance, this this Paul, um, this video about this this particular furniture designer whose name escapes me right now, uh, Paul oh. Evans. If I if I, when I put that out there, I'm going to do a little bit of research on it, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of good comments about him, and you know, a lot of good comments to, to educate me about him. You know, some people are going to know a lot more about him than I'll be able to find out. Uh, you know, my quick internet search. So I like I like when people comment and give me constructive criticism. It's just the, you know the, the haters are the haters, and it, it, it's nice to have something to fight against. But you know, so I haven't I, I haven't getting that many. Now that I'm asking for it, it's going to be an onslaught. But then again, the, <laughs> yeah. only the people Preparing we love yourself. are listening. So <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get any hate from our listeners. Yeah. So all right, but, uh, who's up next? A, cool. Um, I'll go. go ahead, so. Bob. David, this is for you. Uh, favorite movie of all time, your entire life, and why? I think... Now, this, the answer to this question changes <laughs> every week. But I think it's Fargo. And hmm. it's the movie that I that really introduced me to the Coen brothers, which they've made movies before that, you know, Raising Arizona and, and, uh, and whatever. But... Um, Fargo, there was something about that. Like, I would just watch movies that were the common movies that you'd see in the theaters and the and the blockbusters. But when I saw Fargo, I was like, these are the kind of movies that I want to see, where it's not action all the time. It's it's there's a there's a story there, and um, it was it's just it's a really well written movie, and uh, it made me fall in love with Steve Buscemi. I have an autographed picture of Steve Buscemi here in the house. Uh, mm. Made me fall in love with the Coen Brothers. Um, almost everything that they do is gold. Almost a couple things I I have some beef with, but uh, yeah, as Fargo, Steve Buscemi, Coen Brothers. Hmm. hmm. There you go. Okay. Um, so more about your work. What is one kind of common uh, skill? You know, common being like in our world, something that a lot of people do that you have absolutely zero desire to learn how to do. Um, I I think it's I I think there's some hand tool techniques that it's not that I have zero desire to learn. It's that I want to put them off until a later date. Hmm. Uh, I really really admire anybody who can do 
hand tool woodworking because I feel like um, when you when you use power tools, you're you're basically you're following directions, right? If so, as long as your table saw is set up okay or uh, your table saw is tuned up, you can make square cuts. But when you're when you're working with hand tools, not only do you have to follow directions, but you actually have to learn how to use that tool. And chances are, the first time you go to rip a board with a saw, you're not going to cut it right. Probably not the second time either. It'll, you know, it's going to take you. It's like you. You have. To, it's one of those things. You have to get the muscle memory, and um, you know, all your, all your bones need to be in line as as your as your as your sawing. And um, so, I th- I think hand tool working is more of a skill. And it's something I I want to do, but just not right now. I think when I get older, and I'm not trying to put out three videos every week, and things are a little bit slower, I think I'll enjoy that. See, it's a timing thing now. Is that why? I think it's a timing thing. Yeah. Yeah. I still watch uh, videos, and I and I and I still um, I have books. I hand tool books, and I like knowing that I know the basics of it. But I'm just not ready to execute any of it just now. Hmm. Okay. Well, those were quick. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jimmy. As a kid, yes, I'm I'm thinking in the eight to ten, eight to ten range. What were you the most afraid of? Not tool wise, just in life. What was the thing that you were most afraid of as a child? Hmm. There's a couple of weird answers coming up. Well, when uh, <laughs> I always, uh, y- you guys both have animals, and um, I accidentally killed a kitten when I was a kid. Did I ever tell this story on on the air? I don't think so. And I accidentally killed a kitten playing around, trying to like I was using a car jack, jacking up a, a wooden workbench my dad had made, and it fell over and killed a cat. Because we had a bunch of cats at the back of our driveway. My dad was an animal lover and always fed stray cats and. And squirrels and birds and stuff. And so we always had these stray cats. And so I accidentally killed a kitten and it traumatized me. I still, it's something I still remember. It's like, I remember it almost every day in a weird way. It's like, like every week I'll have a memory of that and a recollection of that incident in the way that, um, so like I strictly don't want the little animals at the workshop. Like Taylor's always like, oh, I'm going to bring Willie, Woody and Lucky over. I say, I don't want them at the workshop because I don't want something to fall on them. And hmm. So anytime there's like anything, like Taylor gets these big boxes of leather and I lay them flat on the ground because they fall over like, you know, they'll fall over like a big tree. Uh, You know, you got like five rolls of leather in there. The box weighs about 50 pounds and it's tall and skinny and it always comes through UPS. I always lay them on the ground because I don't want them to fall and hit one of the animals. So when I accidentally killed a, a kitten at about the age of six or seven, I always was always afraid I was going to do it again. So I was always making sure I wasn't going to like play with anything heavy when there was animals around. So that's something that, like I said, still stays with me today. And uh, I remember learning about uh, like gas bottles. I always lay them down. You know, like my propane torches, I always lay them down. Anything that when it falls heavily can fall and create a problem, like an explosion or a small animal gets killed. <laughs> I always lay things down and that's specifically because of that like if i'm walking through my shop and there's too many things leaning on the wall i just lay them flat on the floor because i don't want them to timber over and, and mm. either break something or you know obviously if there's no animals around no one's going to be in danger but so that and then another thing i was always afraid of was fire i i always had dreams of being on fire for some odd reason this is turning into a therapy session but i always <laughs> <laughs> had dreams of of fire. So as a kid, uh, I guess it was kind of like, and, and Bob, you, you have young kids now, and I'm sure they're going through a lot of school training about fire, mm-hmm. you know, and my dad was a fireman and the local fire department where I grew up was always visiting the school and saying, crawl across the ground, you know, stop, drop and roll, all these kind of things. And uh, so I was always, a, I was always very cautious of fire. And I, I started having nightmares about being in a house on fire when I was a kid. They, they've gone away, but when I was a kid, I had lots of dreams about being in a fire, a house fire. And it's something I'm still always worried about, just because, I mean, as adults, we all know, you know, how deadly and costly it could be to be involved in fire. So those are two scary things, killing animals and being on fire. Yeah. So wow. you thought you were going to get like, I was afraid of uh, the color red or something. 
No, no. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, so the other one, the work one, is if YouTube had not come in, um, you know, I know you did TV and you got out of TV. If YouTube had not come in and kind of grown into what it is now for you, um, how do you think your career would have, like, what path would you have gone in? Would it have uh, been TV again, or would it have been something far away from TV? Um, TV is always kind of like lingering in the background. I have a meeting this week with some TV people. I'm sure it's not going to go anywhere, but I have a meeting this week. And, you know, it's always kind of omnipresent here or there. You know, I've talked about doing stuff with Nick Offerman, which never panned out. Um, I probably would pursue that only because, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for the easy money path because there's a way to get paid a lot of money for not working that hard. But, you know... <laughs> That that is a myth. You're honest, because <laughs> that's a myth. That's you know that's always the the, the anticipation. Taylor wouldn't go the easy way. She'd work hard for that money. <laughs> right. Exactly. She'd make right. her own camera. <laughs> yeah. Um, I probably would be involved with uh, more inventions. You know, nowadays my brother is in that business, and and nowadays I shy away from it because I'd rather just make a movie. But if if you know my public uh, presence wasn't wasn't as it is. I'd probably pursue more invention stuff and still do custom work because custom, I could, you know, doing like bars and restaurants and that kind of stuff. I'd probably pursue that more often because there's a lots of money in that. But then again, it's just physical work. And as I get older, it's like, you know, I was carrying sheets of plywood the other day and I just, I was laughing with Willie. I was like, Oh my God, these things don't get any lighter. You know, sheet of plywood still 70 pounds and my hands, I used to be able to just grab a sheet of plywood just like, you know, like you're hanging over a wall and you just pick it up like, you know, Kilroy was here. I used to be able to just pick up a sheet of plywood like that. I can't even really do that anymore. I have to get my hands underneath it because my, my grip isn't as tight as it used to be. Um, so I just feel like, you know, these bones are getting older. So I don't know. I, I, you know, I probably would still be doing, you know, more installation stuff and a little bit more invention stuff because invention is, invention is also like another – it's another easy money pursuit that is like the furthest thing from easy money, you know. But it seems like it is. You know, you're waiting for that. Like, you always, oh, you're in the invention business? My neighbors thought of something and now they're billionaires. They have they own their own island. They thought of like, oh, they, all they had to do is do this and then now they're all rich. And I'm like, I pursue inventions for the last 30 years. I haven't been able to come up with something as simple as that person's neighbor who's now rich. Like I met this family in Brooklyn. They're like, oh, you're in the invention business? My neighbors have the patent for stuffed pizza crust. They're millionaires. I'm like, how do they – they own the, like, the license to stuff pizza crust at like Pizza Hut. Oh, yeah, they're suing what? Pizza Hut. This is how is that a license? 15, I don't, this is 15 years ago. I'm like, really? Can somebody own stuffed pizza? Oh, yeah, they got the patent on it. They're rich. I'm like, Someone's going to set me straight now. Let's just have a brainstorm session of all the things you could stick cheese in, and you can make your make your millions. <laughs> well, that's it. Then you become like a patent pirate. You got to sit on the patents and wait till somebody goes, "Go, ha ha!" That's my patent. <laughs> patent trolls is what they call. Yep. So that's what I'd probably be doing. Just what I do anyway, but without a camera. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, your turn. So um, I, this is a, a personal question for you, Bob. This is kind of stupid, but I'm curious. Would you ever get a tattoo, and do you have one? I don't have any, and I have been planning tattoos for quite a while. And yeah, I'm planning really for sure. Yeah, I'm surprised. Are you going to get like a like? Why are, are you like, surprised? Because you don't seem like the tattoo type. This is the question I said before we started. I already know the answer for you, Dave, because I could see your tattoos. <laughs> there you go. But uh, I'm just wondering, Bob, if you would ever think about getting a tattoo. That's all. Yeah, yeah. And, and oh, oh my God, is that new? No, this is this is my very first one. This one's never been on camera. Oh it's, wow! Uh, I used to collect Dr. Seuss books, and it's a I have a book of his personal paintings, and this particular painting is called Retired Thunderbird. Retired Thunderbird. It's up on my uh, upper arm, so you never see it on camera. But I that was, is awesome. Cool. <laughs> That's cool. Are those cactuses in the background. Yep. That is awesome. I love that. Nice. And so, so Bob, do you mind sharing with us what, what you're planning? Um, well, I haven't fully decided yet, but it's going to be either something – I've always been very specific about or, or wanted to be very specific about what I get, not just something that I like. Like I want it to be representative of something, so mm -hmm. representative of my family or my faith or something to mm -hmm. that effect. Right. And so I've got a few ideas there, but I've never really completely decided. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where my wife and I are – 
one of these nights just going to go on a date and like come back tattooed. She's already got a couple, but right. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. And so I, I was, I really su- surprised. I wouldn't expect you to say that. Hmm. Um, uh, I had like a, a, a love hate relationship with tattoos. I, I have one tattoo on my ankle, which my friend, uh, a, a former friend, we're no longer friends, but he, he's a doctor and he got a tattoo machine, a tattoo removal machine. And I let him experiment on me while he was learning how to do it. So he did three sessions on my tattoo, which is just nearly gone on my ankle. And uh, I never, I got it with like really no passion and any thought behind it. I got it once when I was drunk. And uh, it's just a stupid thing that said my, it said my initials. And so I said, you want to like practice? Twitty, Twitty Bird with a hammer and... <laughs> that I would have kept. This is... <laughs> This is just a pair of it's just my initials with like a little ball of flames around it. It was so stupid, and <laughs> so uh, my my doctor friend he he practiced with his laser and zapped it off. So it's nearly gone. So when people see my leg, they're like, "Did you get burned?" I said, "No, it's the remnants of a tattoo. It's really small." So and then I always thought all, I would get all another the sanders tattoo. and grinders that you have in your shop. I think you could probably finish that off pretty quickly. Oh yeah, yeah. and then it would probably hurt less than the laser treatment if anybody's in a oh, really? laser oh, treatment. Wow. Yeah, it's like somebody burning. It's like literally someone taking like a cigar and just sticking it against your skin for a few seconds at a time. That's how much it hurts. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would I would think about getting another tattoo. If, again, if the, the thing struck me at the right time, I would think about it. But up until now, nothing's really struck me. Taylor has a distinctive tattoo on one of her fingers. It's like a ring written like around her left finger. It's in some of my Instagram stuff. So I, I always like that. It was, it's the only tattoo she has. Um. The other question for you is, how soon do you think you're going to end up on TV? <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's loaded, huh? Um, <laughs> you're the perfect candidate for TV, and you've probably been having secret meetings with everybody. I have had several meetings about it. Um, Aha! I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I will. I don't know that I want to, really. I mean... Right. I'm just not. Sh- I'm not sure that it would allow me to actually do anything that I'm not not already able to do. Right. And I feel like as soon as I get in into a larger machine that I'm not in charge of, I'm going to end exactly up losing right. a bunch of control about how I use my time, and I'm not really crazy about that. So. Yeah. I don't know. Don't have I, an answer. I always <laughs> say that it. it honestly, like it between uh, you know between uh, our community. I think it would be a good thing if some of us started making the leap back, you know, in that direction because we could pull other people up with us. And, so, you know, if, if it ended up being like, for instance, the show that I pitched with Nick was I was going to try and get other YouTubers involved. And it's funny, his people, I probably told you guys this privately or publicly, I don't remember. But some of his agents at the time who was representing the project, they said, don't use the word YouTube in meetings. People don't want to hear that. But this was three <laughs> years ago. And so I said, I said, well, you know, I wanted to be like, and like, you could say that, but just say you're going to get other skilled craftsmen. Don't say people from YouTube. I was like, okay. So in the pitch, I was like specifically said to squish that word. But I, 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 I'm open to the idea only because I just want to see how it could, it could help my channel and, and the community at, at, at large. Because the idea of us being in control of each one of our domains deflates the power of the, the TV and the publishing world. And, and I think that's a good thing for all of us. So, yeah. So, um, so that's, uh, so, so, uh, Dave, we, you talked a little bit, uh, one of my questions for you, which I don't have to, to be used this question was, have you done dovetails? And you basically answered that question a little bit, mm, but I, but I have, Oh, you and, have? Uh, have you done a video on dovetails that I haven't seen? I have not done a video on dovetails. Uh, mm. I think some of my very early Instagram photos uh, is, is some dovetails where I was trying to do dovetails every day, and it's one of those things. The more you do, the better you get at it. Right. Um, I besides tiny little boxes, I have not done dovetails in an actual project. Just practice mm. and just yeah. little tiny little boxes. Mm-hmm. So, so that really, that um, was like a half question for you, by the way, because you already kind of answered that. Okay, you know? but uh, did you have more to say on that? You can keep going. No, it, it's um, I, I just really admire people that can do that because that is it's just not something you nail on the first time. Nail. That's Ooh. a that's a woodworking pun. Um, 
but it, yeah, it's it's something you got to do over and over again until you, until you get it right. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've ever answered this, uh, Dave. This might be too uh, personal, but will you ever have kids? Uh, the answer to that is no. Uh, I think I'm too selfish of a person to have kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hmm. And uh, I, that was that was supposed to be a joke, and nobody laughed. So <laughs> no, no, it's um, true. I mean, I, I feel the same way. <laughs> Tell and I both feel the same way. I mean, right now, but yeah. that you know that could change. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is not. It is not going to change. I I happened to you know uh, six seven years ago. I happened to find um, the love of my life, and she had the same thoughts about children as I do, which is we don't want children, and. Uh, and so we use the extra time to go on vacations and travel and 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 whatever. So unfortunately that's uh, uh my mom is not happy about it, but she was also not happy that we didn't have a public wedding. We had a very private mm-hmm. <laughs> wedding. So uh, yeah, we we're, we're, we go against the norm. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Nothing against kids. I love kids. Kelly actually works with kids every single day in her job. She's a speech therapist. And, uh, you know, so we, we, we love kids. And when friends come over, it's like, yeah, bring the kids. It's just not something that we're going to do. Um, Can I tell you a funny story? Can yeah, I tell please. You a funny story? So um, a couple years ago, this was before I was doing the YouTube thing full time. Uh, I, I don't remember what video it was. I think it was one of the early wrap up videos. And uh, I don't remember what caused me to say it, but there was something in the video where I said, um, I don't like kids. Kids are burp holes, right? And <laughs> I it, yeah, and I was just being funny. That's like, I don't re- actually think that. And then I wake up the next morning, and I have an email from Steve Ramsey. He's like, David, you can't say that stuff on, on, on YouTube. You're going to so, get so much hate. And... Truth is, I didn't get that much hate. People, I think, understood that it was a joke. But I was like, oh, man. Okay, Steve Ramsey, who's doing this, you know, full-time for a living, uh, I I need to take his advice. So that was just a a funny little story. (laughs) That's funny. I remember when you said that, and I made jokes about it. I knew that it was a joke. And that's coming from somebody with kids. So. <laughs> I, I was well, just you. listening. I was just listening to uh, Louis C.K. on the radio on the drive because just I was late to this because I couldn't park my car. Um, but Louis C.K. loves talking about how kids are beep holes, and he has two of them. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he went through that phase that way. He said that you know he was like everything he talked about was how how much of a pain in the butt his kids were. So. Oh, I bet every parent in the world has a better understanding of that <laughs> than people who are not parents. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think they would disagree necessarily, you know. Cool. And uh, so have, this, this one, was friend? my other question. You have one and a half questions. Uh, well, this is another question. Uh, I mean, I have, I have, I wrote out a lot of questions, and so I just kind of applied to him as the, as the, as the, the, the show went on. But I basically had a question for both of you guys, and and. We, when I get my school up and running, would you guys be willing to come and be involved as teachers? You don't in my don't school? even finish the sentence. I'm there. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm there. No, like you just say no. you need to be here uh, this Saturday, and I'm finding a way to be there. Yeah, I would well, be angry you. if I wasn't invited. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I'm still. Yeah. I got this, you know, this fantasy of me being in school, and I kind of wanted to ask that question just to jog a little bit of conversation about it. I mean, I I, I knew you guys would say yes, but. Um, the the uh, you know it's still a hope and a dream and you know it's just it's been a money issue with me not being able to get a space big enough and uh, you know a couple of people think when I sold those dolls years ago I was a year ago that I was able to get the money that was just a little bit of a jump start and you know we've got the some of the plans going but you know once I really examine the finances involved it's just it's crazy but I am going to do this tin type class and uh, you know we still have a couple of open slots so but you know, I and told- how do people how do people get those slots if they want them? I'm going to I'm going to Instagram today. Uh, so okay. by the time this comes out, my Instagram will have uh, some of the information. We uh we have 3 slots sold and there's only going to be like 10 slots, so so we'll see uh if we could fill it up. And the, nice. you know, It's just a test run. I mean, we're not even going to we're not going to make that much money, you know, considering the material costs and paying the and Sev and, and the guys that are going to do that. But I want to just see how it goes. And Taylor's mm-hmm. all up for it and Taylor's doing all the hard work. 
I'm doing the easy work. I'm just going to Instagram it. She's going to deal with everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be a theme, right? <laughs> she loves the hard work. She, it's not like I'm dumping it on her. She's, she's like, I'll handle it because she knows I'll do it lazily. She's like, no, 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 no. I'll do it. Mm. I'll do it. So, but uh, yeah, that's it. Cool. So that was fun. All right. Well, um, we're running long today, but that's okay. Uh, before oh, we wow. We're already about, at an hour. Well, that went quick. Yeah. But what we've been watching, I want to thank our uh, Patreon supporters real quick. Uh, especially Make, Build, Modify, John Cornwell and Luis Gon- Gonzalez. Um, thank you, guys. They're our top contributors, but everybody over there that helps us out, it makes a difference, and we are super grateful. Thank you. So if you want to help out the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it and, you know, support us with a dollar or more. Yeah. Thank or buy a guys. T-shirt. <laughs> or whatever. David, what you been watching? Anything cool? So I have, because we're running long, I'm going to have uh, an extended answer. I've got two picks for the week. But before I do my pick, can I plug something real quick? Sure. Why are you, you know, asking me? It's your show. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with uh, me being being selfish, um, <laughs> and, and plug something that I'm doing. But um, my Patreon members of two dollars plus, all of them are going to get their name printed in my book that's coming out later this year. So I just want to announce that to everybody listening. So Very it's cool. Patreon.com/slash/Petrudo, and all two dollar plus members will get their name printed in the book as a thank you. So. Uh, my pick of the week is, it's two. It's based on books. And the first one is, and I may have done this before, and I don't care, uh, is the public library. The library is awesome. I don't, like, people seem to forget that the library exists. And in many places, uh, like here in Ohio, not only do I have access to all Toledo um, public libraries, but I have access to all of Ohio. So when you go to the hmm. Ohio Link Library website, you can say, I want all these books, and they will ship it free to the library of your choice, and then you uh, can go sign them up. Yeah. Wow. So I have access awesome. to all Ohio books. Um, and then going with the theme of books, there's a website called thriftbooks.com, and it's a great place for used books. This is my shipment of books that I got this week. It's all books oh. that are like 30, 40 years old, and they're like four to five bucks a piece it's it's so it's so so awesome look at this this book this book is full of project videos right here oh that's just nothing but paper airplanes from this book is from the 50s so um plywood projects abstract printing ah so that's thriftbooks.com sweet so i'm gonna repeat paul evans is the furniture designer who i'm emulating this week in my one of my videos that i'm gonna publish and i also want to Give a plug out to my sister. I have a sister named Kathleen. She's a jewelry designer. She works in gold and platinum and she sets diamonds and she does sculpture. She's an artist and a photographer. And right now she is only on Instagram and her name is K Duresta Collective. That's her, her Instagram. She has a store in Long Island that she, she runs classes where she talks about jewelry design. But uh, I'm just saying everybody go to her Instagram and tell her they want you want to see her start making YouTube movies because I've been pushing her. And I think she has a lot to offer as far as the world of jewelry design and, and artistry. So check out my sister's Kateresta Collective Instagram and tell her you wanted to make a YouTube movie. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, so I got a couple as well. One is just a single video. Did you guys see this um, thing by The Mill, which is a house that makes, uh, they're like a, a effects house in no. New York? Okay, The Mill does tons. You will have seen basically all of their work. They're amazing. But they put out this video about this thing, and I cannot tell if it's real or not. But it's called The Blackbird, and it's this car that they use. I think the idea is that if they want to make a car commercial for a brand new car, they they can't make it in production because the car is not finalized until right before it's available. And so they can't make a good exact commercial. So they built this car chassis that can expand in both directions and it's like matte black and it has cameras all the way around it. So when it drives around it's recording its environment and they can recreate a 3d model exactly of the car that's going to come out by replacing this chassis 
in the video. It's unbelievable, and it looks I'm, too good to be true. Wait, so yeah, I'm watching. Their they're video shooting the commercial right before now. the car's available. Yeah, they're shooting it with this basic dummy car, and then but it's sized to match the exact thing, and they can like replace the wheels with the exact wheels and all this. It's crazy. Anyway, somebody tell me that that's fake because it looks. <laughs> Um, so there's that, that video just kind of blows my mind. But then also, uh, the, my actual pick for the week is the 3d printing nerd a guy named Joel telling, we met him in, uh, at Maker Faire. I did. And yeah, I guess you guys did, but, um, I got to hang out with him in Seattle last weekend. Super nice guy. And his channel, uh, is he's, he's got like a great character, like a camera persona. Um, he's just a lot of fun to watch. But he does tons of 3D printing reviews for printers and for filament and has just a lot of knowledge about that stuff. So if you're at all interested in 3D printing, you should definitely be following him. You'll learn a lot. And he's just, he's a fun guy. Super, super nice. So that's it, I think. You guys got anything else? That was a good one. Yes, that was a good one. It's good. She had a lot of good conversation. Yeah. Well... We'll do it again next week. Maybe not the same thing, but we'll do something next week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We just some suggestions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do that. At mm-hmm. Making It Podcast. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that's it for us this week. <laughs> and Jimmy's a, a puppy, apparently. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's the horrible one. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week. Later on. Love you. <laughs> Snuck that in there. Thank you.